0: And amen. Good evening, everybody. Say good evening to your neighbor with a smile. Ask them how was your day today? How was work today? <clears throat> okay, so today we are looking at what we've titled entitlement. 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 Um, um, it's a Bible study, it's a message that should be preached on a Sunday. In fact, it's a message that should become a series, (laughs) you know. And many times we need reorientation in such fundamental things like we're going to look at today. So the opening question is this. One of the many problems that have existed for centuries is entitlement. How is it particularly a problem in our time with children, with adults alike? So how has entitlement become a problem of our culture and our generation? Um, anybody who wants to go? How entitlement, do you think, do you, do you think it's not a problem? <laughs> um, if you're putting up your hand, you need to raise it up. Okay, yes, there's a, there's a hand there. Yes, sir.
1: Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good evening, Pastor. Good evening, sir. So, it's a major problem, especially in this part of the world, compared to, to the Western world. And, um, what it has mainly caused is ingratitude. Because people feel that they are, they are entitled to, to their wife, to their husband, to their sisters, to their brothers, so I mean, whatever you do is as if well, tell and call, meaning that before, why won't you do it? So mm. it has become a problem of, I mean, it has led to so much ingratitude. And the reason I said is because of this part of the world is that um, I've been privileged to be close to other people in other part of the world that you see that they are well to do, and their immediate family, even sons or children, are are struggling. Um, but they're not entitled, they're not claiming. When they get, they appreciate. But when they don't get, and that's it. But in this part of the world, once you, are, you have any relationship, be it a friend, be it friendship, or any kind of relationship. Or family. Or family. And one person is slightly better than the other, then the, the line of sentiment is drawn. And you become a bad person if you don't do anything. Or you do too little, based on their own imagination. <laughs> Praise God. And you can
0: clap alone, you know. (laughs) Because, I mean, that is so true. You know, anybody else? Yes, ma'am.
2: Praise the Lord.
0: Hallelujah.
2: Just to buttress what Pastor Jide just said, you find that in a family, especially if you are the first child, they put everything on you to do. Is expected of you to lead the family, to lead the younger ones, to show them love, to provide for them. So they become, well, that's your job. But that's not how it should be. Mm. And so because we don't, when you have somebody down resisting to do that, mm. it becomes the bad person. Mm. They label you, oh, she does not help us. She does, she's oh, also, she does not provide mm. for us. Oh, she... Because that's really not your entire... That's not
0: your duty. He, he's not as, helping his people.
2: Yes. They, it's not your duty as a, as a child, as a, as a brother <laughs> or as a sister. But it's expected of you, especially in our environment. Amen. And we need to come out of it. We need to come out Lord. of it.
0: Amen. Like I said, it should be serious, you know. And that's, it's, a, it's a problem even for governance because someone... Uh, perhaps we have leaders that have good intentions... To serve and not be corrupt. Once they get into any position of power, there's a lot of pressure from the village. Our son is there, it's our time to eat. You know, you're not going to give contract to this person, give contract to that person. You know, so we just feel entitled. So it's easy to feel and to look at leaders and say that, oh, they are corrupt. But many times we um, enable them and, you know, and we create the environment that. Makes it impossible for people to thrive, you know. And also, the converse—we uh, can flip it on the coin. And in a culture, to see not only if you are the first, like she said, or well-to-do, like but had said, or like in the position of power, like I had said, you know. Um, also, those in those three categories sometimes also feel entitled to 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 people to suck up to them entitled for people to call it respect you know and if you check dictionary meaning of respect what they're expecting is not respect it's butt licking so when you have someone that refuses to do that you're a rebel you are disrespectful to elders you are <laughs> so all that will come to an end we need to have a proper perspective of things And I pray that God will empower us to cover as much ground as we are able to this evening in Jesus' name. So, the definition of entitlement is is as spelled out um, here. Entitlement is defined as the fact of having the right to something. It's, it's, It's seen as a fact. A fact of having a right to something. This is my husband, so I'm entitled to... This is my wife, so I'm entitled to. It's a fact. This is my dad, so I'm entitled to. Or, the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges of special treatment. So, I believe that, oh, I'm entitled to this. By now, I have been in this office for this long. I am entitled to this. By now, how come it's? I mean, you know, sometimes you know, folks. Some folks say, "Oh, how come is new people that join the church that pastor is is talking to?" You know, we were there from the beginning, so we are entitled to. his time. Whenever I call, he should answer. You know, <laughs> whenever I text, he should reply. My. Uh, no, we are pastor, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know? And we're, so, how come it's so people, it's, it's, it's a belief that I am entitled, inherently deserving of certain privileges or special treatment. In other words, with entitlement, you feel that you deserve something. I don't want to break your heart. You really don't deserve anything. First of all, I rejected it. As I reject that, Pastor. I deserve, I deserve love from my husband. <laughs> That's a big fat lie. Am I saying husbands should not love their wives? No, 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 no. I deserve. Oh, we're going to unpack this. God is going to give us the grace. So, we'll pack it in Jesus' name. So, some say, I deserve to have children. After all, children are a blessing from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. I deserve to have children. So, Pastor, are you saying that? People don't deserve to have children. At the end, you answer that question yourself. <laughs> I deserve to be married. I'm tired of this single thing. I deserve to be married. I have, I've walked straight and narrow. I have kept God's word. I've kept myself pure. Why am I not married? All those girls that are doing rubbish, all of them are getting married. All those boys that are doing rubbish, all of them are getting married. Why? I deserve to get married. Really. I deserve to be wealthy. You could say, I'm intelligent. Oh, I'm hardworking. You know, I work really hard. I'm in, I'm, I have an enterprising spirit. I deserve to be wealthy. I deserve a bigger house. After all, my husband can afford it. It is a spirit of entitlement. I deserve a bigger car. How can I be driving this kind of car with the kind of husband I have? The spirit of entitlement. Son of God, I deserve. And again, you will notice everything I have mentioned are legitimate. Everything is legitimate. I've not mentioned anything that is not even covered in God's word as a promise. I deserve to watch TV when I come back from work. I've worked really hard. I deserve to have peace and quiet in this house. So I can watch some TV. I catch up with some some news. I deserve to spend... As I choose to Because I work hard for my money I deserve, I deserve, I deserve So entitlement, you see Is a thieving spirit Is a stealing spirit If allowed Entitlement will rob you of peace It will rob you of peace If allowed Entitlement Because you feel you deserve a new dress for Christmas It can destroy the peace in a marriage Do you know that? Because you feel entitled to it. It is my right. You know, I was reading about a lady that all her friends, in, in, in the workers in her department, all of them got a ticket from pastor. All expenses paid to Disneyland with their children. Only her did not get it. And she, feel, she felt, why... Will I not be the one to get it? I'm entitled to this ticket to Disneyland with my children. After all, I even come earlier than all these ones that I get it. Can you see? Self-righteousness is the sister of entitlement. And all our self-righteousness, the scripture says it is as filthy rags before God. It counts for nothing. Entitlement, if allowed, entitlement not only will rob you of peace, it will rob you of vision. Whenever you feel entitled, it darkens your vision. You cannot see as God wants you to see anymore. All you can see is the things that are lacking in your life, the things that are missing, the things that you should have that you do not have, the things that you should have that your sister has, the things that you should have or your next door neighbor has. If allowed, entitlement is not just a a thief of peace, will not just rob folks of their vision. Entitlement will rob folks of their joy. Of their joy. It is difficult to see a joyfully entitled person. Every time entitlement creeps into the door, joy goes to hide at least. If not, goes out the day, <laughs> through the window. So, entitlement is a thieving spirit that, if allowed, will not only steal the peace of the person, the vision of the person, the joy of the person. This is big. Entitlement will steal the praise of the person. Entitlement will steal your praise, if you allow it. Your praise is one of your greatest assets with God. Your gratitude. Your, your, your heart of thanksgiving. So, when entitlement comes in, it robs people of their praise. So, we come and we are saying to God, Every time I call, you answer. Every door I knock, you open. You're incredible, God. Incredible, God. You are incredible, The spirit of entitlement, you say, eh? Every time you call what? See, you asked him to give you a new bag. Look at the old bag you have been using for the past six years. Did he answer? It rubs that place. It shortens it. While you are thinking, it shows you a door that says this door, you know is your entitlement. You, you are entitled to a bigger, a bigger room. You've told them to break your sister's room and join it with your own so that you can have a bigger room. You have knocked on that door it hasn't opened. If you allow entitlement, it will rob you of your praise. You have prayed, oh, for I've had a boil in my hand. I've prayed, I've prayed. I'm entitled to healing. After all, healing bread belongs to the children. We even called Jesus. And it hasn't gone. How can you expect me to sing? Every door I knock it, you open. Incredible. So what does that do? That takes away from how inc- how, we, we, uh, how incredible God becomes in our hearts. So when we now begin to say extraordinary strategies, mm, you, move, you know, <laughs> impossibility specialist, you see that in heaven. You make Living the earth your full still. You are incredible, incredible God. God. We are like... Impossible specialists. So it takes... When it takes away from your praise... You see... Your praise does not make God bigger. It doesn't make God stronger. God is God by himself. With or without your praise. Praise the name of the Lord. But every time you... It steals from your praise. It reduces God in your life and the influence of God in your life. And the only person that loses is yourself. Entitlement is just a dangerous spirit that we need to eradicate. You need to have your, your double barrel gone. If you see entitlement, you you shoot it down. You have zero. What's erase his head? What do you do? Shoot it out. So the question is this. Could it be a good thing that we don't get everything we want in life? Guys, what do you think? Could it be a good thing? Yes, there. Could it be possible? Yes.
2: Good evening, everyone. Good evening. I think it's a good thing that we don't get everything we want in life because sometimes the things we want are not necessarily good for us. Good. So you could be asking God for something that wouldn't benefit you in a way that would, that would draw him, would draw you away from Away
0: God. from him. Okay, so, so it, it, it could be, you are saying it's a good thing we don't get everything we want in life. Okay, good. Could it be a good thing? Our hearts are restless, says St. Augustine, until they find rest in you. So, those unfulfilled desires actually remind us of where our true satisfaction comes from. From Christ and Christ alone. So, Paul says, I pray to him. Three times to take away this infirmity or this, um, this, this infirmity, to take away this, um, what did he call it? Turn, this turn in, in, in my flesh. And he didn't. He didn't. Anyway, when I am weak, then he is strong. So it, it puts him in a place where it's back to what matters most, which is the true satisfaction of the human being comes from Christ and Christ alone. Not from the child, not from the house, not from the husband, not from the wife, not from the bigger home, not from the better paying job, but from Christ and Christ alone. Until we realize that, we think, if I get more money, be fine check for those of us that have worked long enough and have lived long enough the money you have now used to be a dream some years ago and you still want more, why? because it is not the money that will satisfy you, it is Christ alone that can satisfy you Christ alone Praise the name of the Lord. You know, Christ alone. So we, I put some scriptures here that you know we need to wrestle with. You know, we need to wrestle with those scriptures. The first is the, is the you know these scriptures. Have, I mean, every time since I got saved has been a major point of you know wrestling. In Luke seventeen. Luke 17, it's, it's popularly known as, a, as a of the parable of the unprofitable servant. Luke 17 from verse 7, it says, When a servant come in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, Come in and sit down and let's and eat. Come and eat with me. He says, No. He says, Prepare my meal. Put on your apron. And serve me while I, I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant. For doing what he was told to do. Of course not. In the same way. When you obey God. You should say. We are unworthy servants. Who have simply done our duty. As much as. As you can say, oh, we are not servants, we are children. But for everyone that will understand God and walk with God, will know that as much as we are children, we are servants. And as much as we are sons, the Bible will say, the son that serves his father. So, as much as we are sons, the Bible, Jesus will talk about about it. The son that serves his father. So, there's a component of our relationship with God that we are serving God. If all you want to relate with God is you're a baby, you're just a son, you just became, way, 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 you put a in your mouth. You know, you're not going to go very far. You need to grow up and become a son and begin to serve your father. And he says that when you do that, you're not entitled to anything. You know, we do work out of the month and it's fantastic. You know, But it's not impossible that maybe one or two people have been saying, after all I've been doing in this church, nobody can even give you work out of the month. self. <laughs> That's an entitlement spirit. It's an entitlement spirit. The NKJV, you know, puts it this way. It says, so likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants, we have done what was our duty to do. That's what you say. That's the position you take. The voice translation puts it this way. It says, now apply this situation to yourselves. When you have done everything I am telling you to do, just say, we, we are servants. Unworthy of extra consideration and commendation and thanks. What people say is that, I have, Lord, I'm done. Now I am worthy of extra consideration and commendation and thanks. So if the Lord doesn't bring extra consideration and commendation and thanks... We feel unappreciated. Unfortunately, when you do a survey of why some Christians burn out, quote unquote, or drop by the wayside, bottom line, many of them, they say, they will tell you, we feel unappreciated. By what? By God. God says, this is what you should do. We are, next, just doing our duty. John Piper, some guy, I think he's retired now, I'm not sure. You know, he's a pastor. He puts it this, this way. He said, and this is very, this is, he's a huge punch. You know, I had to really wrestle with this statement for a long time. He said, as sinners, which we all are, apart from Christ, the only thing we deserve is God's judgment. So, back to the question. Do you deserve the bigger house? Do you deserve the husband? Do you deserve the wife? What about uh, the children? The money in ego, Do you deserve that? <laughs> if you look at things properly, because if you see things as God sees them, the ultimately, ultimately, without Christ's we are, we are a mess. And if you want to talk about entitlement, you cannot hold on to Christ. Because you are not entitled to anybody dying for you on the cross. So, if you are standing on entitlement, you can't hold on to Christ. So, outside of Christ, the only thing any human being is entitled to is God's judgment. Because all have sinned, and I've short of the glory of God. But when we come into Christ that we are not entitled to. Through him, it makes every other thing available to us. So through him, we have the children. We have the husband. We have the promotion. We have the health. We have the healings, We have the abundance. We have the... Through Christ... And because of it is through Christ, we can't be entitled to it. We can only be grateful for it. If we close here, and you just take back all you've heard, and ruminate it on it, and turn it over and over, I mean, you'll be fine. And just ingest everything. It is in him, That all the promises of God are yea and amen. It is in Christ. And excuse me. You are not entitled for someone to go and die on the cross for you. You are not. So the fact that we are saved. We are grateful. For salvation. So it is strange to see a Christian. That feels entitled. You begin to wonder, do they really know that they are Christians? Because if you're a Christian, you are, you, are, you are grateful that you are saved. And you are grateful, now don't get me wrong, that through him, through him, if he, God, did not withhold his son, Jesus, from you and I, through him, he will give us all things. So, if we have access to all things through him, how grateful should we be as a people? Because, really, we are not entitled to anything. You know, Pastor Jiri mentioned how in the Western world, you know, particularly parents, children, the wealthiest people in the world their children use second-hand cars until they're able to buy their own cars. Except maybe there's a gift somewhere, or maybe there's a promise of if you, come, if you get first class, you get a new car. Apart from that, the wealthiest people on earth, when they fly first class, or business class, their children are in economy. then coach. In fact, they have the back seat. One guy says he deliberately make sure that he give them the father's seat. So his son came to me, ah, dad, this is not fair. He came to the business class first class cabinet. Says that, that this is not fair. All this for you, I mean, that we are just that color, you're like sardine. you know. Da, 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 da. And he says, He looked at the boy He says that if you talk too much, I will throw you out of this fight. <laughs> you are not entitled to anything. That space you call your room in my house is not your own. I am borrowing you. And the boy's eyes open. It's not not, not your room. It's my house. You should be grateful because there are other children that don't have the room you have. Uh, They don't. So you you have nothing. So that's all. I have nothing. You have nothing. So if you go, what will happen... All my wealth, I will will to charity. I'm not saying that's the wisest thing to do. I'm just saying it is a rude shock. It was a rude shock for the, for the young man. But what do we have? What do we have? I've seen people travel, teenage children, all of them on business class. I look at them, I look at I'm like, you are destroying, they're like, totally destroying them. See, say, but I can afford it. But you're destroying them. Because they will feel entitled. That's why you have t- children slapping their teachers. Why do, why do they slap their teachers in school? Because they know they will get away with it. They, uh, does it happen in our schools? Of course it does. Because they know daddy will come and they, when my daddy comes, you are going to lose your job. A child has told the teacher like that, when my daddy comes, you are gone. <laughs> well, in our days, when my mommy comes, I'm finished. <laughs> we asked the teacher, ah, ah, you only gave him three slaps. "Aba." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is deserving of fifteen. Praise God. Romans twelve nineteen says to us, Romans twelve nineteen says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. Says the Lord, why do people take revenge? They feel entitled. The only reason people take revenge is they feel entitled. You abuse me, I will abuse you back. Why should you abuse me? Me, because I am. Do you know who I am? The first statement that comes out when, when there's an accident on the road. Mostly, I think it has reduced now, but there was a time. When when there's an accident on the road and one person comes and the other person comes and there's an altercation, you, you must hear, do you know who I am? Matthew 20, I mean, this is a long read and it's so important that we, that we get it in this Bible study. So let's go. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers to his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work at nine o'clock in the morning. He was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them, He would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon again. At at noon and and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again. and saw some people, some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they what? everyone let's say it together they they assumed they would receive more why did they assume they would receive more because they felt entitled to more but they too were paid a day's wage when they received their pay they protested to the owner (laughs) You know, I've seen this play, play out a lot of times, really, you know. Those people worked only one hour, yet you've paid them just as much as you've paid us. who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered, one of them, friend, I, have, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. Jesus has switched to prophetic mode now. And those who are first will be last They assumed. We've been here for longer. We should get better pay. Entitlement always feeds on assumption that you deserve more. John three. 25 to 27 again i want to challenge you to take the scriptures go home and wrestle with them it's so important take the scriptures go home and wrestle with them john 3 25 to 27 it says a debate broke out between john's disciples and a certain jew over ceremonial cleansing jesus so john's disciples came to him and said rabbi the man you met on the other side of the Jordan. The one you identified as the Messiah is also baptizing people. And everyone is going to him. Instead of coming to us, we are the main guys in town. I mean, they used to come to us. What's going on? John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. Everyone say no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. So, in other words, if you kick against the one that has received favor from God, you are kicking against God that has chosen to favor him. Praise God. How come? You don't just started yesterday. How come? Well, It's God's favor. So, what lesson can we learn from John's response? I I wanted to to expound on that, but I would trust that you go home and and wrestle with that, you know. I mean, it's so big. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 knocks it home. It says, for what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? Sometimes we make statements, belittling statements on other people. Sometimes we think, you know, I mean, I'm tired of seeing this, and probably sometimes saying it, you know. You see someone that is doing well, look down on people that are not doing well, and say they are lazy. Okay, so you think you are where you are because you are hardworking. Really? They're just lazy. They're just lazy people. I'm like, hmm, really? Some of them work harder than you do. But they don't have the results that you do. Don't be quick. Of course, some of them are lazy. But don't be quick to conclude that they are all lazy. He says, what is it that you have that was not given from above? So, when folks say that, oh, you know, I want to be humble, you know, God said to me, oh, by God's grace, you know, you are humble. How do you do it? How do, I, it's, it's a strange question to me because how can you struggle to be humble? It means you are not seeing yourself properly. It means you can't even see yourself well. If you see yourself well, properly, like heaven sees you, humble is who you are. Praise God. <laughs> because a man does not have anything except it was given from above. So there's nothing that I have that was not given, there's no gift that I have that was not given by the grace of God, I am multi-talented. I can do so many things. There's hardly anything I want to do that I focus and I'm not able to do it. Hardly anything. But I know it's a gift. What does gift mean? It's a dash. So God just looks at all. I just affect me you. Take excess. Is that something to be proud of? No. What have you done to earn it? Nothing. You were born with it. How can you be proud that you are tall? How can you be proud that you are beautiful or you are handsome? You shouldn't be proud that you are short either. Neither should you be proud that you are ugly. (laughs) But, unfortunately because we don't have the right perspective, the things that are supposed to keep us humble make us proud. To to whom much is given, much is expected. So, the things that are supposed to make us humble actually make us proud. By the grace of God, by the grace of God, (laughs) I have seen The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit operational in my life at different times. I know that doesn't happen to everybody. But James said, those of us that are teachers, our own judgment will be more. you know what's in the Bible? Because to whom much is given, much is expected. So if you find out that you have a lot of gifts, It means that you are going to be placed on a higher scale. Should that make you proud or humble? So the things that should make us humble actually make us proud. Unfortunately, because we don't have the right perspective about life. There was an event that the um, former president of Nigeria, one of the former presidents of Nigeria, President um, Abbas Ojo was attending and, uh, <laughs> and um, they're supposed to give a speech. And they honored him to, to go first. And he went there and said, because he had an honorary doctorate, he went there and said that, ah, that they should let all these professors talk first because the one way I have, the dash us. <laughs> they dash the dash us. <laughs> they dash the dash us. I mean, it was funny, everybody laughed. But it's the truth. But some people, we have, everything we have is honorary. God dashed us, so to speak. We have honorary degrees, then we are. So, what should the person that has it do? Deuteronomy 7. Seven to nine says, the Lord did not set His heart on you, and chose you because you were more numerous than the other nations. In case you didn't know, you, for you were the smallest of all nations. Honestly, I know that if they were to do an election in my in my village. I will not win it. I know that if if we were to do an election, even amongst my siblings, who is the favorite, I will not win it. I will not even come second. I will not even come third. But God has chosen to put his hand upon me. There's nothing anybody can do about that. If you don't like it, go and jump. But for me to think that it's because I'm better than everybody would be a big mistake. Because I'm not... at feel entitled. In fact, I'm in awe of God. Praise the Lord. It says, rather it was simply that the Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. That's why. And he was keeping his covenants. Hallelujah. Romans 9 10 to 16 says, this son was our ancestor Isaac the son of promise it says when he married Rebekah she gave birth to twins now listen to this but before they were born before they were born before they had done anything good or bad she received a message from God this message shows that God chooses people What's the message? God says that the young elder will serve the younger. The younger will be greater than the elder. They've not sinned. They've not been born. They've not told any lie. Nobody has broken anybody's toy. And this message from God shows that people, that God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people but not according to their good or bad works. You see, The the fallacy is that if I do good enough, God will like me. God God loves you already. Do you understand? But God chooses people based on his own purposes and his own counsel. Oh, maybe because I need to pray 15 hours a day. If I pray 15 hours a day, then I can have the anointing that Brother X has. Brother X probably pays 30 minutes a day. And if you pray 15 hours a day, you you still will not have it why? because it pleases God she was told your older son will serve your younger son in other words in the words of the scriptures I loved Jacob but I rejected Esau I love God's favorite house (laughs) praise God You know, honestly, I, I can feel people's pulse even right now. When I read these scriptures, I see myself as Jacob that God loved. But I feel some people here are struggling. that is it that God can reject me? You need to get rid of that. Praise God. If you are in Christ, you have been accepted already in Christ in God. (laughs) Praise God. So if you are not in Christ, well, the choice is yours. You get an opportunity to come into Christ in a few minutes. So are we saying that God is unfair? The boy was not born yet. And God says, I'm not, I don't want this one. I want this one. Is God unfair? Is he showing partiality? I, I, I've, I've shared it before. I've taught you guys before. That God doesn't seek to be fair. Right? Do you remember? God doesn't seek to be fair. He's not interested in, in, in being fair. God is just. His judgment are just. Which means, if you check it, it was right even before they were born. He knew what they were going to, the choices they were going to make. Of course not, for God said to Moses, "I will show mercy to anyone I choose." And I see when I read these scriptures and I want to be like that too. Please, I will show mercy to anyone I choose. I will show, show mercy to Lufa any because I have chosen to. You see yourself as the person the recipient of God's mercy. Praise the name of the Lord. He says, I, and I will show compassion on anyone I choose. Just says, anyone I choose. Because I'm God. Why? Why are you like that? Because I'm God. And nobody can arrest me. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. Ah praise God. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. Quickly, let's read that. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that that few of you were wise in the world's eye or powerful or wealthy when God called you. That's so true of us, of me, of a lot of us, you know. Instead, God chose the Things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever post in god's presence so you cannot say i am this and that because i am smart god will show you that you are nothing and if we now look for those of us that already think we are nothing without him and make us this and that so that we can show to the world that god is god do i get an amen yeah. james chapter 4 verse 6 says and he gives grace generously as scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble James 4 1 and 2 what is causing quarrel and fight among you don't they come from the evil desires at war within you you want what you don't have so you scheme and kill to get it you are jealous of what others have. But you can't get it. So you fight and wage war. To take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you want. Because you don't ask God. So how do you fight entitlement? You draw the cutting here. Number one, you check your heart. Unto yourself, be true. Unto, don't If you lie to everybody, if you deceive everybody, don't deceive yourself. Just be, be truthful to yourself. Number two, once you've seen it, and and you're confronting it, you cling to God. Psalm 23, verse 1. Psalm 62, verse 1 to 2. Psalm 84, 11 to 12. 84, 11 to 12. Can I put 84, 11 to 12? Thank you. It says, "For For the Lord God is our son and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. I love him. So, so, God will not withhold any good things, thing from you. Cling to God. If you don't have it now, you don't need it now. Trust God. When you need it, he will bring it. Number three how do I defeat entitlement? WWJD, as they say. <laughs> What will Jesus do? Philippians 2 5 to 8 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born of a human being says, when he appeared in human form he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross so what, what would Jesus do? Jesus did not cling on to his privileges Jesus did not demand his rights Jesus did not feel entitled that's what we should do